Well, our reading is from Genesis 1, which is in your booklets. Genesis 1 famously opens the Bible with these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I'm going to pause there for a moment. and I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and dig down into your memories, your imagination, and I want you to think of a time when you saw a great angry sea or body of water. Some, maybe you're at the water's edge on the coast and there was an angry, dark, scary storm. Maybe you were on the water. Recall back in your mind to a time when you've seen the sea in its scariest, chaotic worst. How did you feel seeing that ocean or that sea, that water, choppy, swirling, dark? Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let there be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. 
and God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing with which the water teems, and that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made. And it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Well, I wonder how you feel about our final vision point. We've been talking about God the creator and creatives in our service today. But I know because some of you have told me that some of you feel like this one's not really for you. There are some people in this church like that. I'm not really that creative, Beck. Um, I'm leaving that one to other people. And so the reason I chose Genesis 1 is because I think the Bible begins by telling us that the God we worship is a masterful artist and creator. And so we all have an interest in this. I mean, thanks, Angus, for the way you read that to us. It's an extraordinary story. The story itself is a work of art. We, we're used to reading it, but it's a story that would have been told and it's got all these rhythms and patterns so that you can remember it and go over it and communicate it across generations. It's a beautiful story. And it's the story of an artist who starts with that sea. It's almost like a canvas, isn't it? There's not much going on there. And each day, the creator does a little bit more work filling in the details, the landscape, the sea and the sky, and then the the things that are going to live in there. 
And at the end of each day, I was thinking as Annie was talking about the process of making those sculptures, the artist stands back and has a look. How's it going? And every day, the creator says that it's good. He's pleased with his work. And then on the sixth day, when the work gets finished, humans are made. And what an extraordinary thing that this final part of creation, the creator finishes by creating people, male and female, in his own image. So by definition, we are all creatives. The work that uh, humans are given is to, in a sense, keep working in the creation that God has made. God is pleased with creation and pleased to hand it over to people to continue to work on, for better or worse, but that's a different sermon. To sustain, to develop, to renew, refresh, to come up with ideas. And every person in this room, whatever it is that you do through the week, I just want you to think for a moment. All work is, at its base, creative activity, isn't it? It looks like different things to different people. So I want you to have a sense that creativity is actually at the heart of what it means to be a human, what our identity is if we ascribe to the biblical worldview, if we are Christian and we worship this creator God who makes us to be image bearers, to continue to work in creation. And although this vision point of ours, imagine a church that inspires creatives, is really focused on more of the kind of arts we understand it, and I'll talk about arts and creatives back and forward, all of us can be invested in this because God is creative and is on about creativity and wants us to be creative according to the gifts that he gives us. And the Inner North community places a really high value on creativity in the arts, which is fantastic because actually in Western society, things that um, attract money and power are usually the things that we value highly. And anyone who works in the arts industry will tell you that it's very hard to become powerful or rich. Only a few. And yet when you walk around um, our neighbourhoods, you will notice that we really do value creativity. The street art, the pubs with gigs on every corner, the small galleries, all the kids' creative writing workshops, things like this, all around, we value it. And it's life-giving to us. Do you get that sense? That people understand that this is a life-giving thing, creativity. And this is true. Mental health studies, Annie showed me a study um, in the UK that said that schools where they start to cut out arts and sport start to notice that there's a difference um, in mental health in teenagers. You can directly correlate whether creativity and mental health. And that's because we know that God made us this way. And the arts and creativity in our culture are what we might call, I want to call, a common good. Even people who don't know their creator and honour the God that we worship are still image bearers. And when they create, they are bearing the image of God and doing the work that was set for us to do. So unlike our other vision points, this particular one has no real point of contention. 
if you see what I mean. So when we thought about the no religion tribes and nourishing spiritual seekers, we could see definitely that there were differences in the way we might think about those things. But actually, this is one we can really get into with our wider community that we can affirm, join in and contribute to. So it should be easy. But one of the things that I think holds the church back at large, and I'm not saying this is our church particularly, but I want to mention this, is that the church in the last century has a poor track record of thinking about creativity and in the way it deals with its artists. In centuries before, let's say, the 20th century, I'm going to talk about the 20th century in a moment, the church was far more influential in society. And if you go to the art gallery and you go and look at the paintings from centuries before the 20th century, you will notice a lot of religious art, won't you? I went to the Pre-Raphaelite exhibition in Canberra in the holidays and there are a lot of different themes, but the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood, even though they weren't necessarily Christian, was still interested in the biblical stories. Faith played a big part in the arts world. Think about Handel's Messiah. People still go and hear that today. I find that extraordinary. You know, it's this incredible piece of sacred music. It sort of sticks out in our culture. But actually, so much of the music in that time was what we might call sacred music. It's a different kind of thing. And as the church lost its kind of influence in the culture, the arts began to change. And the church didn't quite know what to do about that. I think this is particularly happening maybe 50, between 50 and 100 years ago. And the classic example of how we started to respond was the birth of rock and roll. And some of you will know how some of the churches were outraged by Elvis and his hip swivelling, for example. That's just a silly example. But that when the church was not so influential in the arts, there were two things that happened. The first one was that in that case, people started to reject what was going on outside the church, reject music and art that wasn't directly pleasing or acceptable to them. So reject and retreat, I'm going to call that. And then the second thing was people who wanted, churches who wanted to be relevant in the culture would imitate and Christianise, let's say, create a kind of subculture that imitates the art that's going on around maybe some of the contemporary Christian music artists that we saw I won't name, but, you know, in 70s and 80s, have a kind of sanitised version of the other music around. And both of those sort of responses of the church are, are not good. I'll be clear about that, because what they do is they reject what I've described as this common good in the, in the culture, it's saying that the art of other people is not OK. Maybe it's even scary. It doesn't say exactly what I agree with, or I don't agree you know that, I don't agree kind of thing. And that's not what art is about. That's the problem. Art is not about agreeing all the time, especially in our culture. If we don't go out and engage with the arts in our community, only engage with what we agree with, we'll be cloistered in this room forever, I think. I don't think that is us, by the way. But the reason I mention it is not so much that I think we're in danger of not engaging with all the arts and enjoying the life-giving creativity out in the culture. It's because I think what happened when the church responded like this was it affected our artists. And so I'm sort of speaking to the artists in a way because you might relate to this. But I have mentored a number of artists over the years and a lot of common themes come up. 
I think a lot of artists in the, in the culture, in our churches, have found being an artist in church discouraging. They felt that their gifts and passions were somewhat devalued. They were sort of, I think Annie said it as a kind of, what was the word? Frivolous, frivolous work. And probably the most difficult thing was when churches, leaders in the church began to tell artists what they wanted them to produce, especially for the church. Art should look a certain way. Paint, a painting about this, Jesus, write a song about this, write this hymn. These are not bad things to do, create religious art and to write hymns, but that's so limiting on the freedom of someone who is gifted as a true art, as an artist in the culture and we we definitely don't want to do that and so I think that is some of the results of what was going on as the church's influence in culture diminished and some of the dangers we have to keep thinking about as we think about what it looks like to be a church that inspires creatives so what I want to say mostly and I'll I'll get on with it because I've been up here for a while is that artists bring us so much to the church. And if we want to be a church that inspires creatives, we actually need to be a church that allows creatives to inspire us. I want to turn it around. Because artists bring unusual gifts to the church. They reflect and express things in new ways, embodied ways. I think of theatre, people working in theatre. They invite participation. They express things in open-ended ways, producing work that invites discussion and interpretation. They speak without words. Think of visual arts that invite us to respond deeply and thoughtfully and emotionally and spiritually. They do things in ways that help the whole community emotionally respond as one. Think about our singing together and the joy that we have as we do that or times of lament and grief. They also help us to respond safely together in different ways to allow different responses. Creatives and artists are often bridge builders. They bring people together who wouldn't necessarily meet or speak, as I said about the art group. They pose questions. They inject life and interest into familiar themes. They are often more poets than prophets, if that makes sense although sometimes there are prophetic voices in the arts to contend with. They reveal beauty in brokenness. And the thing I've noticed about a lot of artists is that they often see themselves as on the fringe of the church. And while I love to see them step in more, I also think that's okay because Jesus loved to be on the margins as well. So are we a church that inspires creatives and allowing creatives to inspire us. I think we are on the right track. This is a church full of creatives. I'm going to get to that in a moment. That's a sign that we're on the right track if you're here. We value creativity. There are, for example, Russell is coming away, Russell Lloyd, who's an artist, is coming away with us at camp next week. We're investing financially in Russell's work because we know it's for the benefit of our community. And he helps us with those bigger festivals too at Christmas and Easter. We have our choir, we have the band, we love the women's art group. These are all good signs. But here are some more steps forward for us. 
So first of all, things I've talked to us about already, let's acknowledge that God is the ultimate creator and open our eyes to his creation and enjoy it. The psalm that we read together, which talked about struggles and hardships and God's love, ended with taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah, Not just hear and understand, but taste and see, experience God's goodness, enjoy his creation. Secondly, let's all of us understand ourselves to be creative and encourage it in one another. Don't worry if you feel silly about it. I used to be a singer. I don't, I'm not the typical creative. I probably used to say, I'm a teacher who's also a singer, but I don't think of myself as a singer anymore. But I went to an incredible singing conference years ago with a woman called Joa Still. If you're a singer, you might have heard of her who did extraordinary research into what happens when you sing. And there were about 50 to 100 singers in the room. And every morning she would make us sing that song, Sing, Sing a Song. Do you know that one? Make it simple to last your whole life long. Don't worry if it's not good enough for anyone else to hear. Sing, sing a song. We had to sing it every day, and every day she would say to us, not many of you are going to make it. But if you can't just love the gift of your voice and singing and enjoy it every day, then that's a waste. That's a waste. So let's encourage creativity in one another. Soak up the arts around you. Go to the movies and take people with you. Join the choir. Go to the gallery. Cook new food and help get other people to eat it with you. Try something new. Imagine and reflect on the wonder at the creativity in one another. Next, let's support the artists in our congregation. Put your hand up. If you have on social media a page or something that is about your creative pursuits. All right, I'm going to name some. If you're on social media, you can follow Ragged Fashion Design, Jerome Cole Photography, Caitlin Knight and her lovely crafting and artwork steady as she grows on Instagram. Look up Lee Arkapore, you can see her design and animation. Follow the Northgate Rebels, which is the band Campbell's facilitated at Northern Support Services. What the heck, which is David and Campbell together. Uh, Campbell Vincent Music, there's quite a few of them. Lucy Floyd's band, gigs around a lot and pay for tip have a are on Instagram and Facebook. Also Luke, Luke Singleton Music. Is that still going? It's still going. I looked you up yesterday. But you're busy with other things. You've become the classic creative. I'm a policeman and i in a band. Pete and Co in the anti-form movement. Lenore is in a band. Matt is in a band. Anyone else in a band that I haven't mentioned? <laughs> this is the danger in doing this. If you've never heard Rochelle Ugetti in Trio Anima Mundi, that is a transcendent experience to hear that music. Or uh, the deep listening experience of Eugenia Giddy in Speak Percussion. You could go to MSO and see Anne play her oboe and hear it. You should find out about the exceptional conceptual art of Emily Sandrussi. Google her. And when she exhibits somewhere near Melbourne, some of us should definitely go. Find out about the Jam Network. Look it up on Facebook, an amazing initiative of Tanya's. Tanya set up a... Um, uh, the Jam Network, the Justice and Mercy Network in London, which connects social justice initiatives with local artists, and she would love to establish it in Melbourne and for people at Mary Creek to join her. She'd love to hear about that. Is there anyone else? 
who would like to spruik there. And of course, the Merry Creek Gospel Explosion Choir, Emma, is a fantastic example of um, how you can get behind and support our artists. You could actually join that choir and be involved in singing with people in our community. If you want to encourage your kids to creative, there are lots of teachers in our church and I hope they'll put their things up on the board. Anything that you want to creative, that you are involved in, that you want support, this church will support you and I encourage you to do that. Let's just really get into it. And for our creatives here and our artists, I want to say to you today that your work really matters. Thank you for what you do, the way you make life more beautiful, thought-provoking and three-dimensional or four-dimensional, whatever, how many dimensions. I want to encourage you to keep knowing the one who created you, to invite God into your work. Everything we do is holy. And I think the biggest temptation for people working in the arts industry in Australia, if they're Christian, is to compartmentalise their work because it's very hard to be a Christian in the arts. As I've worked with people um, in mentoring, these are the questions that we go, come up against all the time. Is it worth working in the arts? How will I make a living? How can I be an authentic Christian in my industry? It's really hard. Will I be taken seriously if people know that I'm a Christian? Will I advance? How can I bring my whole self, my faith and all, into my work? Will I need different boundaries because of my faith? How will I help people in my church understand what I do? What contribution in the church will my gifts bring? I don't have the answers to those. <laughs> but those are the questions and let's talk about them. Let's, let's keep working on these things. As we all do in all our work and all our creativity, God is the ultimate creator who blesses and purifies our work. There's a great joy and safety in that. And I think we can take some risks then. That's all I'm going to say. But in a moment we'll have communion. And I just thought I could would take the opportunity to say, you know, we're so used to the way Jesus talks, but Jesus spoke in pictures. And the picture he gave his disciples was, take and eat this, this is my body, and he gave them the bread and the wine, this is my blood poured out for you. It's a powerful creative image that has stood the test of time and let's not get used to it. Let's today, as we come to the table, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Our creator God, we thank you for all the good gifts that you give us, for the world that you made and the way that you shaped us to be in your image. We pray that we will be a church that is inspired by the creatives around us and within our community and that in turn encourages and inspires others. And we pray that it will happen by the work of your Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.